1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third. I'm Sandra Deta, CBS Sports Lead, NWSL and U.S. Women's National Team Writer, joined today by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman. We've got a loss to talk about today. United States lose 1-0 to Canada in the Olympic semi-final. We're so thankful to everyone joining us today for first reactions and, and brief recap. Just a quick reminder. To those of us joining us, you can find us on Twitter at Attacking Third and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher and anywhere else you find your podcast. Lisa, how are you doing today? Well, it's very early, Sandra. Um, This game didn't leave
2: a great taste in my mouth, Um, but I get to see you again after just a few hours of some coffee and soccer. So I like being in your company this morning. How are you? It's
1: it's the little things it's the little things it's the silver linings it's really just about uh, the memories that we're building along the way and I feel the the same way uh, because we are very active on Attacking Third getting our episodes in for you all we during this Olympic stretch we've gone beyond the tri-weekly episodes and uh, we've been coming at you pretty often and pretty frequent so again thank you all for joining us and listening but this one, Sandra. Is t- it's Sandra. It's kind of like summer camp. We don't sleep a lot. We hang out together a lot,
2: and you know we're doing the same thing every day, talking about soccer. It's pretty great, honestly.
1: I I love that you you put it that way. Real real summer vibes for sure. Uh, let's talk about these summer games, Lisa. United States women's national team uh, heading into this semifinal against Canada. We chatted about it very briefly in our recap of their quarterfinal victory over Netherlands, just sort of speaking about what we could potentially see in this game against this team, against these rivals. Everything leading up to this game really was centered around that. Um, Both of these teams are each other's respective most familiar Foe going into this match. They faced off against each other now officially 62 times. Uh, they've faced each other three different occasions in, in three separate Olympics. This was their second meeting together in a semifinal. So two teams just, you know, definitely familiar with each other. I think uh, it doesn't didn't really matter going into this one uh in terms of the histories of like who's the head coach in this position when you're meeting each other that many times, there's already a rivalry there. There's already a sense of familiarity. And uh, when I think when you're looking at that, you're going to ask questions about like, well, what is it going to look like technically? Sure. But in terms of the history, there's no rewriting that it was already written. So all of that stuff was built up uh, ahead of this match. Uh, Lisa, what were maybe some of your biggest takeaways perhaps entering this match? What were the things that you were circling on your notes that you wanted to take a look at prior to this game?
2: I was extremely focused on how the United States came out against Canada. Um, If they came out on the front foot with high energy, high intensity, um, also taking a look at the starting lineup, which I'm sure we'll get into. But that was another thing I really wanted to dive in on as soon as it was announced, uh, saw it on social media. I was like, okay, okay, there we go. But it was really about how they started this match. Um, They've had a rough go of these Olympics and they haven't been consistent in their pressure and in their high press, whether they're doing that, the rhythm that they have on the ball, their consistency in their play over not just 90 minutes, but even 30 minute increments isn't there. It hasn't been there. So I was really hoping to see United States team come out against Canada and be on the front foot, be in the attack. And we almost saw that in the first 10 minutes. They they didn't look bad by any means. They looked good. It was yeah. pretty evenly matched. There was so much intensity and so much energy, which I would prefer hectic high-energy U- United States soccer playing versus yeah. sit-back, low-intensity, seeing what your opponents bring at you. So the high-intensity, the high-press, the ball was whipping all over the field, back and forth from end-to-end end the first 10 minutes. Um, and I liked that. I mean, it woke me up a little yeah. bit at 4 a.m., for sure. No,
1: I, I I agree with you. I think looking ahead to this match, I, I was kind of circling certain things in my notes as well. I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to want to see... We've been talking about it all tournament. Like we want to see the game where the United States like comes out and plays like this sort of complete game. Um, so that was definitely circled on that for me. But another thing that was circled for me was like I-, I didn't I think it was still questionable whether or not we were gonna see it just because both of these teams entered this semifinal on heavy legs, you know, having played to penalty kicks in their quarterfinals, you know. So going all the way through their extra times and having to advance into this matchup on penalty kick. So it was like, yes, we were still looking for those things, but were we really going to see it with such heavy legs on such short rest in a tournament like this? And we saw, we saw spurts of it and we'll start getting into it right now, but let's get some first reactions to this starting 11. So for the semifinal against Canada, the United States lined up as followed. They had Alyssa Nair in net, Crystal Dunn, Tierna Davidson, Becky Sauerbrunn, Kelly O'Hara to run out the back line, Julie Ertz, Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Lynn Williams, Alex Morgan, and Tobin Heath to kind of round out their starting 11. Um, yeah, first impressions of, of that 11 going into the semifinal. Lisa, on your end, what stood out to you or, or what maybe surprised you or, or didn't surprise you in this one?
2: Tierna Davidson slotting into that back line, a great call by Vlako um, she's had a tremendous tournament. Uh, she has a lot of confidence on the ball, and she partners really, really well with Becky Sauerbronn, who is such a veteran. Um, the the young and the the rookie and the veteran on the Olympic squad back there, the center back duo really has been nice throughout this tournament. So to give Tierna Davidson that nod in center back was really good. Um, up midfield didn't surprise me at all. And Lynn Williams up top. She goes from alternate to – Roster expansion and gets to play, gets a goal and an assist and then gets a start against Canada in the semifinal, which is clearly a huge game for the United States. That was huge for Lynn Williams, a confidence booster for sure for her. Um, Interesting to see her up there with Morgan and Heath. Um, That combination was a little different for me. I don't know. I I was expecting maybe a Carly Lloyd to start. Um, But again, if you go into you have to think long term in these games and going into penalty kicks. Who do you want to take them? Um, but I, I liked this combination of of players, but Davidson really was the one for me that I was like, yes, okay, this is good to see her back there. Um, yeah, besides, same,
1: same yeah. for me. Honestly, uh, again, I know when we chatted a little bit about it, in the last Olympic episode of us, we were kind of hinting that we we would like to see it. Sandra, we, we weren't hinting. We it. were like, we need Davidson in the back line, please, <laughs> Like put like make it happen in the semifinal, please. Uh, and, and it did happen. And I think, uh, you know, watching that that quarterfinal match and seeing the type of start that Lynn Williams had put together for the team, I think earned her the the start in this game. Um but I, I, I'm with you. I think that if you're looking in certain scenarios to try to maybe run against the other team, that that's a player that you do ultimately bring off the bench. Because we, we've seen that a lot in this Olympics. Uh, there's been a lot of rotation, and we're going to start getting into that right now. Uh, you know, they did come out on this front foot, Lisa. Uh, mm-hmm. They started taking it to the Canadians pretty, pretty early on uh, in that first half. Uh, but kudos to the Canadian and their their coaching staff and their scouting really did a great job of sort of absorbing all of that uh, from the United States. It was what we kind of predicted. It was a very physical match between these two teams. Whether how much of that had to do with something like the uh, you know the the fatigue from the prior match going into extra time, um, but. It wasn't unexpected, Um, even in games between these two players or or between these two teams. uh, Prior games have shown us that these games have always been been physical, whether they're coming off of something like a extended extra time or or not. Uh, So that wasn't too surprising. Um, And then it also paved way for some opportunity for Canada to maybe try to apply some pressure of their own. Uh, and then all of a sudden there was a really big game-changing moment in the opening 20 minutes on the United States side of things as Alyssa Nair came out to play a ball uh, because okay. Canada was was bringing it and uh, appeared on the replay, because we don't have any updates on this at the moment, on replay to uh, hyperextend her knee. Didn't look great on the pitch, didn't look great on the feed. Um, the replay was quite uncomfortable uh, watching that and uh quite frankly it was agonizing watching something like that happen to to this type of keeper because uh, that's not something that we've ever seen uh out of Alyssa Nair in terms of having to look so you know laborious uh, from an injury that occurred in play so extended amount of time where she was not on the pitch a lot of question marks around that we started to see Adriana French uh warming up on the sidelines but uh You know, just maybe looking at this from a defensive perspective, Lisa, what does that do? What does a moment like that do to a team uh, in a big game like this? A moment like
2: Alyssa and I are going down with that injury and being evaluated for so long is devastating for, for a team and for her and as fans watching it and as us analyzing the game. However, as a player on the pitch, you can't let that devastation get into your brain. You have to be like, okay, we'll do this for her. We'll win this for her and we'll, we'll pick up the pieces that are left behind because of her. And you do have so much confidence in your second goalkeeper stepping in there and AD French um, who didn't come on immediately. I will say that Alyssa Nair did try to – I don't want to say tough it out because I firmly believe that she thought she was okay um, or she – knew she had pain, but it wasn't as intense and as horrible as it could have been. And she needed to play this game. Um, But it was maybe like four minutes later, she went to kick a six yard kick and immediately signaled to the bench that she needed to come out. Um, So in that moment, your heart almost sinks a little bit just because you feel for that player and you feel for all the hard work that Nair has put in to get to this point and the incredible game she had last match against the Netherlands saving. So two penalty kicks in in the end of the game to win it for the United States. So your heart just really hurts for a player like that in that moment. Um, But then you have to look at it clinically and you have to look at it critically as a player. You have someone like Alyssa Nair who has seen so much time and as a starting goalkeeper, it's a position that is Rarely, rarely rotated, if ever rotated. So in training, yes, uh, AD French and Jane Campbell are getting lots of reps in training, but ultimately when you do your 11-by-11 11 11 scrimmage or you partner up with players, Alyssa Nair is going with people like Becky Sauron and Crystal Dunn, players that have traditionally been in the back line. You're always grouped together with those starting 11 that you see in the game time. So she, she will traditionally have players going against her that are the big-time ones. But then another player like AD French, who has all that training and all that experience and two-time NWSL Goalkeeper of the Year. However, she doesn't have the Olympic game experience that Alyssa Nair has so the mentality is different when French steps into the game because she has those nerves, those first game jitters that Nair had. Um, and also she didn't start the game. So coming into a game as a goalkeeper is difficult to get that rhythm and to understand how the play is happening and, and what kind of pressure Canada is putting on you. You almost have to organize a little bit and take a second to – understand where the players are. However, A.D. French didn't have a second to do that. She didn't have the first five minutes of a game to settle in like the rest of her players did. Um, But ultimately, you bring a player like A.D. French to the Olympics because you know she is skilled and you know she can step in in a moment like that. And that's that's what she did, especially in this first half. It was calm, cool, and composed from her facial expressions, from the way she started to organize the defense immediately as soon as she stepped on the field. And you could see the confidence from, I believe it was Alex Morgan who ran over and gave her a high five as soon as French checked onto the field. And then there was a corner kick and a few players high-fived her, even though it just went out. Canada didn't even keep it in play. But the, the confidence coming from your teammates onto a player like French shows how much that this was a team unit looking to be in this for their teammates standing next to them.
1: Yeah, that's the other side of it, too. I think, you know, very early on, Lisa, when we were doing our Olympic previewing of this stuff and we did a really lengthy preview with with a guest. Uh, Lori Lindsay and we were talking a lot about that, that maybe that could be sort of an X factor for this team would, would be its depth. And that's the other side of the coin where it's like, yeah, it's a, it was agonizing and a real bummer to see that happening to somebody like Alyssa Nair, but having somebody like Adriana France friends being able to come off of the bench and slot in to that type of scenario can maybe, add some new motivation and maybe reinvigorate or reignite some type of momentum for the team. Because we're talking 20, 25 minutes in still very early in the game. A lot of soccer left and not necessarily playing to the temple that you want to be playing. Maybe not exactly executing the plan that you and your teammates have been preparing for leading up to this match. So that's the other side of it. Maybe there was going to be uh, an injection of of new adrenaline coming in with this type of scenario, Uh, but the two teams really ended up playing out that first half kind of evenly. I mean, we're talking about some disjointed play, and when I say evenly, Mm -hmm. I don't mean nicely or sophisticatedly. I'm not saying that at all. What I mean by playing this game out evenly in the first half is that they were both equally not great. Let's just call it what it is. It was a very physical match, very disjointed, very choppy at times. Uh, Not a lot of uh, connecting on passes for the United States uh, and not a lot of shots on goal or looks in front of goal for either of these teams uh, to really sort of uh, send any type of fear in either of the opponent um, to say like, Oh, that was too close or this was very, very dangerous. Uh, so I think there was a uh, zero. I know it was zero shots on goal for this first half. Uh, but in terms of the actual shot attempts, I was just as low. I think maybe it was about mm-hmm. three total two to one, I think at one point during, during this first half. So I think you go in, you go in a halftime, right, Lisa. And uh, you got to have some conversations. Uh, What do you think the conversations were heading into halftime? Yeah, well, if
2: you look at the first 45 minutes, it was honestly like pre-injury and post-injury, the the two halves that split it up because at the start of the game, Canada really sat back. They almost had a low block going with six in that backside that the United States had to break down. They were using the flanks a lot. And then as – the first half went on Canada gained momentum and they did put a lot of pressure on the United States after the, the long pause with Nair being evaluated on the field. And then the substitute happening, there was a shift in the game. I think Canada was looking to attack um, and they weren't connecting very well because Julie Earth sitting in the sixth defensive mid positioning was <laughs> breaking up every f- forward play coming through. Yes, Sandra.
1: I just, Maybe like, I know I asked you about like what the like what do you think maybe some of the conversations we're heading into yeah have to you think part of that was talking about what was going on in the midfield or or lack yes. thereof yes I, I truly do because the the midfield for the United States at the
2: end of the first half was falling apart. They weren't connected as players on the field um, positionally and organizationally. They weren't finding passes. Every time they they received the ball, they were looking for teammates that were making runs that they weren't ready for. It was very, very disjointed in the midfield. And then from there, if you can't connect your midfield, you won't be able to find the forward. So then it became a bit of a long ball over the top from players like Dunn and O'Hara in the back, just trying to loft it long to Morgan and Lynn Williams up top, which of course wasn't working because Canada could foresee those balls coming in and try to collect them. So the the evenly played out part that you mentioned, so true because of that. And then when the United States looks at that, they need to come together in their midfield and say, okay, we need to connect our defensive end to our attacking end. And that starts in the midfield, receiving the ball and playing simply and staying much more connected on the field. The triangle in the midfield, between Ertz, Lindsey Horan, and Rose Lavelle needed to stay geographically closer together, not be stretched 40 yards out on the field. That way they can find those passes and connect with each other and move around the Canadian midfield who has a very good midfield unit and was disrupting a lot of what the United States was trying to do. And the United States had play on the flanks of the field and they were getting crosses in early in the half, but then they lost all of that towards the end of the first half if they talked about that at halftime it's it's hey what worked well for us in the first 45 minutes getting the ball wide to our outside backs o'hara and dunn who were pushing forward and sending crosses in the first 10 minutes that's what the united states was doing and they had started
1: uh it started to feel that way anyway Mm -hmm. at least towards towards that second half for sure i i uh But it also started to feel familiar in a different way, I think, Lisa. It also started to feel familiar in a way where it was like, oh, man, this team is not looking comfortable in this match. They're not looking cohesive. They're not looking like they're playing in the semifinal, quite frankly. As that first half closed out, uh, it definitely looked like a team that needed to maybe get into the locker room and perhaps – kind of reset some things and we're going to reset some things right now. Cause again, we've been, again, another thing we've been doing during the Olympics is checking in on each other with our caffeine breaks. And uh, here on attacking third, when we do these live reactions, we check in with each other with a hydration break. Cause caffeine is really important for these early mornings, but you absolutely have to continue drinking water. So let's take a quick break for a hydration break ourselves. Cheers, Lisa. Clank. Cheers.
0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Oh boy, that second half. Let's get into it. Let's talk about it a little bit. This team comes out into the second half and, uh, it wasn't unsurprising to not see some substitutions right away because, uh, even though, That has been something that's been consistent in this Olympics uh, in terms of player rotation from the coaching staff. Uh, It hasn't happened like super immediate in the second halves. Um, But the team did come out with this initial starting 11 and we saw something similar to the first half, uh, Lisa, which you were already alluding to, which was that they got back on that front foot again to try to establish tempo and get into their game plan and try to connect something and get something happening in front of goal. And it looked for a second there as if uh, the United States was going to finally execute uh, their game plan there. It did just for a
2: little bit. Um, I liked that Vlaco Antonovsky didn't make any changes coming out of the half because these players did have a rhythm and they, they could ha- see something going. And they started to – find that rhythm at the start of the second half. There was higher press, especially from Lynn Williams who found herself behind the ball, more putting pressure on them. And then when they did win the ball, it was, it wasn't just go forward. It was let's possess a little connecting those passes in the midfield. I think the midfield three came out of halftime more connected and finding more of a rhythm to control the tempo of the game for the United States. Um, it didn't last too long, especially because the United States needed to keep eyes on the Canadian players. They had a lot of good threats and good force up top and Prince and Christine Sinclair of course, who's the best goal scorer in the world. they needed to keep their eyes on them and they found breakthrough moments um, especially in this second half. it was it was a bit of a feel out your opponent. Um, the United States trying to implement their game and impose their game plan on to Canada and Canada held up a stiff arm. It, it worked for a few minutes, um, but I think Canada was right there in it. They, they, they put up a stiff arm and they said, no, United States, you're not going to do this to us. Um, they, the United States did get more chances and more shots in the second half. Um, they had more connection and more passing, but that's because they weren't always going forward with the ball. They were also looking to keep it, which establishes momentum and rhythm going into it. But uh, when when the second half started for you, Sandra, what specifically were you hoping to see from them that you didn't see? Or, or what were you looking to change?
1: I wanted to to see the attack just uh, mm-hmm. sort of get more involved. And we did see that for, for a quick second. Like you, like you mentioned, I mean, there was a, a really brief moment of flair that we saw, uh, you know, from, from Tobin Heath uh, trying to connect with Lynn Williams and, and again, showing that type of stuff that maybe we hadn't necessarily seen uh, from the team. And uh, well, specifically from the, from the front line, uh throughout this Olympics and you thought, you know, even if it's not something that manifests into like a goal or, or a set piece corner or anything like that, the team is still looking like they're trying some things, trying to look dynamic in front of goal. Also, like, it's nice to have fun on the soccer (laughs) pitch. Like that's another, that's another thing that maybe we'll get into when we have our big final Olympic episode, where it's like, where we do talk about like what it all means, but like, you got to have some of that when you're playing in these very, very, uh, you know, intense tournaments, whether it's World Cup or Olympics or whatever. And it's just uh, we haven't seen that a lot from the team. So I was also looking for that, too. I was like, maybe maybe this team will try to start doing some different things in front of goal and maybe get a little bit more loose because they've been so tense uh, during this. And, and so- use their creativity that they all have. These players have played together for
2: So long, they understand each other and they can read off each other. And when you do have fun, which when the United States goes up a few goals, we start to see that loose play. So to see that against a Canadian team would have been great. We saw it a little bit, but you're exactly right, Sandra. Yeah.
1: And I and I wasn't too and I and I was also like they, they're going to have to try to get it at least this attacking line is going to have to try to get it in this opening fifteen because we've always we've been seeing again we've been seeing this during the Olympics like what's the one consistent thread that we've been seeing and it's been constant attacking line rotation and that happened again in this match and, and we started to maybe see some of the. uh the coaching matchup take place with, you know, with Priestman and, and uh because they, they had two teams coming into this, this game on, on heavy legs. So they had to have those types of things mapped out and prepared for these types of scenarios. So we had at the hour mark for both teams, multiple substitutions. So Vlaco black came out and made his, it was a triple line sub uh, bringing on a whole new attacking line, uh, bringing on, Press bringing on Lloyd, uh you know subbing out Heath subbing out Williams bringing on Rapino, you know subbing uh them and having them try to generate some type of attack uh in this in this second half and then on the other side you saw Priestman bring on Deanne Rose who's and we're going to highlight her for a little bit because she's going to be the player that ends up making um a big, big play for Canada in, in this game. But you started to see that from both sides Uh, after that opening 15 minutes, no matter which way it's going in terms of the swing of momentum, uh, whether it was in the favor of the United States at that time or not, something like that is, is going to be kind of pre-planned for this type of match. Um, But we saw it play out and uh, that additional 10 minutes post substitutions, I think, was uh, going to be the, the 10 minutes that kind of maybe dictated the flow of the match. And you hate to see it. It ended up sort of a coming to fruition, maybe not in the way that anybody could have really predicted. I don't think that this type of match was the match that people were going to look at and say, oh, this one's going to come down to a mistake or an error. I think mm-hmm. there was a lot of that narrative around something during the game, like against the Netherlands in that quarterfinal game. Um, this wasn't going to be that game. I think a lot of what people were talking about when this game, ahead of this game came to fruition, that it was going to be a tight, narrow match. It was probably going to be, it was going to be very physical, probably disjointed and, and leading to maybe some tense performances. And we saw that play out. So this 10 minute stretch was not something um or was something that I was going to try to keep my eye on to see that if it was going to maybe dictate some things on either side. And it was looking like it was going to change a little bit because we started to see Canada get a bit more involved. And we're going to take a little shift here because this is going to be probably the time of the episode. We're actually going to show our uh, Canadian uh, sister some some love here. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to our Canadian siblings. We want to give some joy and 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 speak to some good things about this Canadian team. Ashley Lawrence uh, had a phenomenal game uh, this match. She's been having a fantastic Olympic tournament to date. Uh, I'll put myself on blast. One of my initial reactions when I saw the substitutions come in was that Ashley Lawrence was absolutely going to eat <laughs> Megan Rapinoe alive uh, on that flank. And she continued. To build into her game, it almost looked like she got stronger uh, as the game went on, and those substitutions were made uh, and so we started to see some things shift a little bit on this side, and a very uh, interesting moment occurred uh, in this game uh, when you make in a, a sub, when you make a substitution for your attacking line and you're still sort of not seeing too much difference from what was happening or being produced from your initial attacking line. And your midfield is still missing. Let's just call it like it is. They gave Julie Ertz some fits. She was really isolated out there today. Um, You start looking at maybe some other areas on the pitch that are working, and it's not a great sign (laughs) when your best player on the day is your 22-year-old center back in Tierna Mm -hmm. Davidson. And it's an even worse feeling when your best player on the day is your 22-year-old center back and uh, gets dinged with a penalty, essentially. So we approach the 71st minute of this game, and Canadian substitution Dean Rose makes a darting run after a ball, and there's contact in the box. And it happened so quickly, I don't think anyone, anyone on the pitch was initially aware that there was going to be a review of this particular moment because it just sort of looked like two players kind of coming together as the ball was drifting out. Uh, But VAR came into play in this match. Uh, The official got another look. There was contact in the box. And because of that, there was a a penalty situation. So whatever people's feelings are about it, rules are rules. And uh, it got confirmed and the referee went ahead and made that happen. And uh, I think this particular moment, we're going to continue to maybe show some love to, to our Canadian siblings and uh, say that a really, really smart moment happened here from their team captain Christine Sinclair. Uh, because you've got A.D. French going up against what I think many people were assuming was going to be the all-time international leading goal scorer, Christine Sinclair. But uh, she does step to take this penalty kick. And she grabs this ball and she immediately hands it off to Jesse Fleming. What a Let's move. Talk
2: about the penalty kick, Lisa. What a move. Um, for those who are unaware, Christine Sinclair and AD French both play on the Portland Thorns. Um, so every day in training, they go against each other, they go with each other. Uh, AD French has probably seen hundreds of Chris- Christine Sinclair's penalty kicks, hundreds of them. So this move by the veteran Sinclair to hand this ball off was pure class per pure maturity. It shows her knowledge of the game, her ability to see the game and this Olympic tournament at a grander scope, because I, I firmly believe that if Christine Sinclair took that penalty kick, it m- would have been a different outcome. Um, not necessarily that AD French would have saved it by any means, but that Christine Sinclair would have felt a little differently. And to take that pressure off her and hand it to a teammate, um, in Fleming, if if Christine Sinclair hands me the ball like that, I feel so confident in my abilities and I'm going to bury that shot. And that's exactly what Fleming did. Um, this was a huge shift in the game. Uh, this penalty kick that was drawn, uh, honestly, kudos to Canada for drawing this penalty kick. Neither team was playing out of their socks by any means, but Canada took an opportunity that was given to them And a pass back from the United States where Tierna Davidson thought she had a lot of time on it. She didn't even see the player running out of her peripheral uh, to make contact and just run down the ball, put pressure on the ball. And ultimately, it is called a foul, which is – it was. It was a foul inside the box. Davidson's leg got kicked her. It it got – packed on. Um, but this penalty kick that was taken changed the tide of the game for the United States and for Canada. Canada had a bit of wind underneath of them, um, not to continue to go forward, but to sit back and, and just play with the ball. And because this happened in the 75th minute, there wasn't loads of time left for the United States. They, they had to turn on a switch and they almost went into panic mode immediately after this happened. The first five minutes was hectic and frantic before they realized, okay, we do have a little bit of time to connect our passes and move forward down the field. But ultimately, as soon as this penalty kick was taken, the United States heads dropped a little bit and they, they were panicked. They had a look in their eyes. That was like, we, Oh no. Oh no.
1: You want to maybe believe that, um, that, that body language is, uh, tied to, that American type of mentality that they constantly are talking about. Uh, you want to believe that that body language was like, oh, that's them kicking it into gear. That's them kicking it into overdrive. But I'm not necessarily convinced that that's what it was. So I'm in agreement with you, Lisa, that maybe it was a little bit of, of uh, if not panic, uh, some frantic uh, body mm-hmm. language about, trying to to get one on the board because let's just let's be real here even if you do get an equalizer you're asking to play extra time and you're tired you just came off of a quarterfinal that asked you to to play extra time so there's a lot that's probably running through your head as a player in those scenarios and honestly ideal 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 scenario for a team like Canada I'm gonna again continue to give them their appropriate depth. I mean, they just really, they're an organized team when they need to be. And having a narrow 1-0 lead with 12 to 15 minutes remaining in a game where you can sort of just sort of get into your defensive shape and close things out, ideal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely ideal.
2: It is so ideal. Canada put themselves in in a great, great position because they didn't have so long to bunker down and, and allow the United States to build up a rhythm. It was only 15 minutes left, including some stoppage time that would be added on. However, they could do it. That's very manageable and very reasonable. And then from the United States perspective, they're trying to make those 15 minutes be feel like 60 and and get a rhythm quickly and get into the attack, but it really didn't happen. It really didn't happen. We did see another sub happening with Sam Uess stepping in. Um, Kelly O'Hara was pulled out, so the United States actually shifted into a three-back. Um, Crystal Dunn moved from the left to the right and Davidson on the left, saw Ron in the center back position with the ability and flexibility for Julie Ertz to drop into that center back position. Um, but I think adding Sam Lewis in there at that point in the game was too little, too late at that point, yeah. um, because when she did come in, um, it wasn't, the United States didn't have enough time left to really establish themselves and use what Sam Lewis can bring onto the pitch, which is a rhythm and her ability to find passes into the forward end. And because of that, it wasn't just... It wasn't enough for the United States to do that. Um, at, at that point in the game, Canada had established themselves and yeah. defended. Neither team was still... Was playing that great at this point <laughs> yeah. either. They really weren't. Like, let's be honest. It was... Yeah. They were missing something, and neither team was imposing their game on the other one, looking to connect, looking to pass really well. It was more of like Canada had an opportunity, and and they capitalized on it. They scored that penalty kick, and now it was just right out this wave until the final whistle.
1: It's – it's (laughs) – you go back and you think about it and we're over here giving first reactions and I'm just reflecting on it very, very quickly as we're both trying to process kind of in, in real time. But it's a tall task to put that on this type of team that we've been seeing play throughout this Olympic tournament to go ahead and turn it on and kick it into gear when we haven't seen that from this team this entire tournament it's a tall tall order at this spot is the was the belief there sure i mean history shows and they've got that on their shoulders to sort of always look over and rely upon and and say all we need is one chance and one shot and and who knows what can happen so they have that that's built within the culture of this team um but within this specific tournament it's a it was a tall, I think it was going to be a really, really tall, tall ass to sort of present them with this scenario. And it ended up playing out, uh, the way that it did. And I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. It's little too late to maybe try to make something happen or look, get a different look in the midfield there. Um, you're talking about an 80th minute sub, and uh, somebody like Sam U And there was, uh, some attempts to try to, to build some things. We did see them win a couple set piece corners there, try to target some players in the box, but, uh, Ultimately, nothing that came to fruition for them. Having somebody like a Bay in net, somebody who has uh, really, again, we're talking about the familiarity between these two teams. Uh, Stefla Bay is a player who has played in the NWSL for multiple teams at multiple different times, has won an NWSL championship um, in the league, has played up against, you know, had played against a player like Sam Ewis uh, when she mm-hmm. played with the Courage as teammates. So, again, familiar with these players it's absolutely somebody that you're going to want to have in a net in this scenario. Um, and we just really got to see this Canadian team play out their game plan. Um, anytime there was an attempt from the United States, making sure LeBay was holding onto that ball, taking their time, anytime they did win uh, a free kick situation, taking their time building up to take those free Which kicks. Which smart. Smart. It was it's, smart. it's
2: called game management, and they did yeah. a really nice job. Sandra, you uh, you mentioned it, that if the United States were able to change gears, turn it on, really Who's show the themselves, I think we would have all been surprised. I mean, I'm, they haven't done it yet this tournament. They didn't ever flip a switch. There wasn't ever a moment that I thought – watching this United States team. Oh, there they are. That's the extra level that they needed, the extra level of intensity that they have. So the fact that they didn't do it against Canada wasn't all that surprising because throughout this tournament, they've been a bit mundane. They've been disjointed and unconnected, not able to find that next level. So if they did it today, I would have been extremely shocked, pleased, of course, but shocked to see that. So the fact that we didn't see that extra level... Is like, okay, yeah, same old story that we've seen over the last two weeks in this Olympic tournament that they're missing. There's a piece missing in this United States team, and it didn't show up today, and Canada finished out the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we saw some very, uh, you know, it's the Olympics, so you always see both sides of, of the ball there. You see the the joy of victory. You see the agony of defeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching all the body language up on both sides of the ball, thrilled for the Canadians quite frankly it's uh, it's going to be a real special treat to see a player like Christine Sinclair get to compete for a gold medal and um, I hope that the Canadians can continue to ride this wave of momentum and on the other side of of the ball it's the United States Women's National Team Lisa they still have a medal to compete for that's the other side of these things Uh, there's not a lot of time for you to sit around and feel bad for yourself there's still a medal to compete for There's still a podium to stand on. Mm -hmm. Uh, This team will have an opportunity on August 5th in the bronze medal game. They will play the loser of Sweden in Australia. That game is currently happening right now. If you're listening to this, uh, if you're listening and joining us live, Uh, but you know, that's, that's another opportunity for this team to try to maybe cap off this Olympics in a way that they wanted to see fit. Uh, maybe it's not the color of metal that they wanted, which Megan Rapino was quoted as saying post-game quite literally. Uh, but there's still an opportunity for them to exit this tournament uh, with a familiar sense of victory, uh, with a familiar sense of pride, with a familiar sense of United States women's national team culture that they were talking about so heavily leading up into this tournament that has really kind of come into question at times. Um, and while this is the first international tournament for somebody like head coach Vlako Andonovsky, um, again, we'll have a, a bigger episode where we talk about what things all mean. Uh, but this is a head coach that has already outperformed the 2016 Rio Olympic games. And that's just facts. That's just truth. Um, So this team is going to be competing for a medal. It's going to be a bronze one. And Lisa, we're going to still have one more game to talk about uh, with this team. We're unsure of who to preview at the moment. Um, So let's just say for now, I'm going to ask you, what do you want to see out of this team in this final Olympic game? Taking
2: a look at the reactions post-game on the United States side of of the field and the post-game interview with Megan Rapinoe, Marissa Pilla did, the emotions are there. There's a lot of heavy, heavy emotions from this United States team. I think the realization clicked in them in the last 10 minutes of this match that oh no, we need to do this, or this could be it. And it's not it, because they are still competing for a medal, but there's a chance that they couldn't get one. Um, so I really hope that going into this final game of the Olympic tournament for the United States, they understand what is on the line for them. And players that this could be their last Olympics, Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino, even, um, that they don't look that this could be the end, but that they need to finish this tournament on a really high note. And they need to set the tone for the younger generations that are coming up in this United States soccer system. That this is a winning team and they can do that. And there's a lot of mindset behind the United States that it's gold or bust. If you don't get gold, was did you even really do that well? At this point, the United States didn't deserve to win gold in this tournament. They didn't. Based on how they played, based on the opponents that they went up against, they were outplayed in this tournament, um, especially by Sweden in that first match. I mean, looking back at that, the United States, if you take that game and then the rest of their play overall, even if you add up all their good minutes, it was still an okay performance from the United States throughout this tournament.
1: I was going to say, I think my final takeaway in this very brief preview that we're doing for this potential opponent in the bronze medal match is that might be one of those small silver linings that they have going uh, with them into this match is that whomever they play, in this bronze medal game, they have some familiarity with already. This is a yes. full-on Group G scenario where all these three teams have had a game against each other already. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, Lisa. Um, they didn't
2: call it the group of death for nothing, Sandra. These teams are all in the final. It That is crazy scary and and very impressive, of, of course, excluding Canada, who was in a different group. But I, I know we've given a little bit of love to Canada, but this is their first major tournament final for Canada, which is really impressive. And, and I'm happy for them. They've built up. This will be the third consecutive Olympics that they've won a medal. They've won bronze in 2012, bronze in 2016, and then the potential for gold in this Olympics for Tokyo 2020-2021 is huge for them. It shows that the skill and the development is in Canada is there, which they're technically our sisters to the north. We have to give them some love a little bit, um, even though it does hurt to lose this one. But for the United States, they're still in this, and they can come out of it with a medal, but you're exactly right. The silver lining, it's there. You have to look a little bit for it, but it is there.
1: Yeah, we're going to end it on that. Shout out to our uh, Canadian siblings, for sure. We'll we'll be watching the rest of these games for sure, and we'll be here uh, recapping and giving first reactions for everyone along the way. So with that, I would like to thank everybody for joining us and listening today. Another quick reminder to please follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We're also available as video, so please subscribe to us on YouTube. Just visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third, and we'll be back August 5th. To recap, a bronze medal match with, uh, with the United States. Everybody join us then. For Sandra Retta and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.